electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast... I do, so help me God. Congratulations, Mr. We have a speaker. House Republicans rallied around Mike Johnson of Louisiana, finally, after 23 leaderless days. Even, you know, Hakeem looked nice yesterday, handing him the yeah. gavel and... Hakeem Jeffries, right? Yeah. And as the Israel-Hamas war continues, Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt says America can't let up when it comes to condemning hate. Some things are right and left, and some things are right and wrong, and some things are good and evil. The Nazis were evil, ISIS was evil, Hamas is evil. And presidential hopeful Nikki Haley weighs in on the war in Israel. If that happened to any other country, there would be hell to pay. The campaign trail, Republicans in the House, and what guides her foreign policy. We should never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends. On September 12th, we needed a lot of friends. We've got to quit talking like it's September 10th. Plus, it's a big deal. Ford's winning negotiation with striking auto workers. Phil LeBeau has the latest. One down, two to go. And the rest of today's stories that got us squawking. It's Thursday, October 26th, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, let's check things out this morning. Pretty rough day yesterday. Joe was mentioning the NASDAQ and what we were watching with that. The NASDAQ composite actually had its worst day since February. The NASDAQ 100 had its worst day since December of last year. NASDAQ fell into correction territory, tumbling by 2.4%. It closed down 10% from its prior peak in mid-July. It was dragged down by shares of Alphabet, which closed lower by 9.5% on weakness in its cloud business. That stock actually logged its worst session since March of 2020 and the fifth largest one-day decline in market value for any U.S. company on record. $166 billion wiped out. That's the equivalent of the entire market cap of some big-name companies like Nike, AMD, or Disney. That cloud weakness also spilled over into rival Amazon. And, of course, we're going to be hearing what Amazon has to say tonight after the bell. In the meantime, Treasury yields. Also, we saw yields pick up a little bit yesterday and this morning. The 10-year is just below 5%, 4.95. The two-year is at 5.12. And uh, the S&P, by the way, closed yesterday below 4,200. And that's been a key level we've been watching. It's not helping. The 10-year. Those were good facts you gave that uh, we could find a lot of companies. Boeing. IBM. GE is a lot less than that. Remember, we looked at what was that, 150? That's a big market. That's a a big market. But you know what? To be able to lose that and still be worth a lot, 
Uh, you know, that's, that's the good news and bad news. Here's maybe some good news uh, in, a, in, a, in probably a bad news morning, uh, but the UAW and Ford reaching a tentative deal to end a nearly six-week strike with the automaker. Phil LeBeau joins us this morning with all of the details that have been coming out overnight. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. This is a deal that came together. Uh, the final push was this week after the UAW called out a couple of strikes, one at Stellantis, one at GM, at some very profitable plants. Ford looked around and said, yeah, we're reporting earnings on Thursday. We're going to be strong. We want to be next in line for another strike. They finalized the deal. Tentative agreement calls for a 25% pay hike over the next four and a half years. Goes over 30% when you add in cost of living adjustments. They're also reducing the number of wage tiers, a big push by the UAW. And there's more profit sharing for retirees. Here's UAW President Sean Fain talking with the membership last night on Facebook. We send this contract to you because we know it breaks records. We know it will change lives. But what happens next is up to you all. All right, so what is next for the UAW members who have been on strike? Some of them have been on strike since September 15th. They will go back to work soon. Exactly when remains to be seen, but they're not going to wait until it's finalized. The contract is ratified. The details will be spelled out for the membership on Sunday, and the ratification vote will take place after that. That remains to be seen. Likely in the next week, week and a half, you will see them do some type of ratification vote. And But again, the important part here is that they will go back to work soon, a matter of days, not waiting until it's finalized, whether that's a week, a week and a half from now. All of this comes as you take a look at shares of Ford at a time when the company will be reporting its Q3 results. They come in after the bell and there will be a conference call. Analysts are expecting earnings that are going to be up about 50 percent, five zero percent compared to the third quarter of last year. Still strong demand, still strong pricing, especially on the F-150 and the, and the SUVs. And as a result, that's going to be the focus of the conference call today. Not necessarily the Q3 results, but the impact of this contract agreement between the UAW and Ford. Again, that call is after the bell. They release after the bell, and then later tonight we'll get the Ford call. As for GM and Stellantis, they still have strikers in front of uh, their plants, three plants, Three final assembly plants for General Motors, two for Stellantis. For GM, that strike is knocked out or stopped about 15% of its production in the United States. And for Stellantis, these strikes have now stopped about 11% of its production here in the U.S. So, guys, one down, two to go. Let's see how long it takes for the UAW to strike a deal with GM and Stellantis. Hey, Phil, how do you expect this to go with the other companies? Is this a, a blueprint, basically? And from what I heard, what is it, 25 percent of a pay increase? Is that yeah. the expectation that GM and Stellantis have to step up to that? And, and Or are there other outstanding issues that are different at those two companies versus Ford? The contracts will be similar, but there are differences. Let's take Stellantis. A big push from the UAW is to reopen the plant just outside of Rockford, Illinois, Belvedere. It's the Belvedere plant. They shut down production. They idled it earlier this year. They have no intention on restarting that plant. Stellantis does not. And they've made that clear all along. They want to right-size their capacity in the United States. Well, the UAW is like, uh-uh, we want that plant reopened. So what happens with that plant? Do they repurpose it as a mega hub for parts and distribution? One idea that has been floated out there, that's not the same level of pay as a final assembly plant. So that's one area, one example, Becky, where the contract with Stellantis has different sticking points than the contract 
with Ford or the contract with GM. But they're generally speaking, in terms of the wage increase, they're generally going to be in the same area. Expect them likely to come in in that 25 percent. To that point, Phil, just speak to this. How far does this trickle out? Meaning, I know we're talking about these specific companies, but, you know, all of the suppliers, everybody that's in this ecosystem is now going to effectively try to trade and the employees specifically, even those that are non-unionized, are going to use these as new baselines for everything or not? Yes. Now, do I think that they're going to get 25 percent for some of these suppliers? No, I don't think they're going to get 25%. But you, you, you're right, Andrew. This resets the map across the board in the auto industry, not only for UAW supplier shops, but also for non-union ones. And in terms of final assembly, we've talked about this for some time. You can bet that the pay is going to go up for Honda plants, Toyota plants, all of the non-union foreign automaker plants in this right. country. The pay for those workers will go up. Phil, it's not going to be this, as much as they are it, at the UAW shops, but it will is go it up. Doable? Is it doable for, for Ford to stay wildly profitable? And do they have to stay with ICE? they have to stay with internal? We're going to hear something from them similar to what we heard from GM? I mean, you know, the good times are rolling right, right. now. Money's rolling in. But the minute, you know, the, there's inventory sitting on the lot that people don't want, are the taxpayers going to end up stuck with this? What is a pretty big pay increase here? Well, it, well first of all, I don't think we're, we're to a point where we're talking about taxpayers being stuck with a pay increase. That's what people Look, are worried about. For Jim about. Farley and That's for the way Bill it always Ford, happens. Under, That's the way it always happens. Joe, I understand. Joe, you're, you're, uh, it's a separate discussion. Let's just talk about this one in terms of what. Bill Ford and Jim Farley have to do. They have to thread the needle here. They're not giving up on electric vehicles. They believe, and most in the auto industry believe, almost everybody in the auto industry believes, the future is with electric vehicles. The question becomes, how much of an investment can you continue to put into those electric vehicles immediately when you know that demand is slowing down relative to what it has been in the past? It's not wages stopping. Are going it's up. not going down. There's still, there's still growth in demand. And wages are going up. So this is, and, and ultimately, this is the knock that you hear, especially on Wall Street, about the big three auto stocks. How can these guys ever get the multiple that they would like, given the cost components relative to Toyota, Honda, Tesla? That's the one that, that people talk about the most, because Tesla workers make far less than the UAW workers at GM and Ford and Stellantis. And once these contracts are in, that gap is going to widen. All right. Thanks, Phil. The gentleman from the great state of Louisiana and the 56th Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, the Honorable Mike Johnson. The leadership crisis in the House has come to an end. Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana won the gavel yesterday, winning the vote of all 220 Republicans who cast a ballot. Speaker Johnson spoke at a news conference after he was sworn in. We're in the majority right now. We've gone through a little bit of suffering. We've gone through a little bit of character building. And you know what it's produced? More strength, more perseverance, and a lot of hope. And that's what we're about to deliver to the American people. The new speaker said the first order of business would be a bill expressing solidarity with Israel in its war against Hamas. He also said that he supports a temporary measure to try and fund the government through January or April of next year, which would avoid a shutdown on November 17th. A lot's still not known uh, really about Mike Johnson. He's not a well-known character outside of um, Congress, even inside Washington at some point. So there's going to be a lot more that we find out about him. I did hear some commentary that he's 
you know, the other leadership like Scalise and others are going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting on these things. That uh, he's not—he's not a figurehead, but he will not have the same powers as a Pelosi or a Boehner did before it, at first. That this is going he, to—he hasn't some time. led a powerful committee yet, and he—he's uh, hasn't been there that long. But everybody sort of speaks positively about his uh, his personal uh, the relationship that they have. And even you know, Hakeem looked nice yesterday, handing in the yeah. gavel. And, Hakeem um, Jeffries, right? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I don't think that some of the other leaders are going anywhere. They're still going to be. I mean, I, like McCarthy, Scalise, even Jim Jordan with judiciary and everything else. So, so we'll uh, see. It's going to be a, a, a team. A the team good effort. news. The good news is you can start to get some things passed through Congress. I didn't hear Ukraine. Though. That's kind of interesting. Well, he right? voted to not to fund that's what Ukraine, I mean. and that's what they I wondered. Wanted, would you, you know, bring Biden that to the putting floor? the two together? Ukraine, Israel. He just specifically yeah. mentioned it, just Israel. And again, I just wonder where where other leadership comes in and how much of that decision is made. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador and former South Carolina governor, in a crowded field for the Republican presidential nomination. Everybody said when they asked me, well, how are you going to break out of the field? And then when they asked me, well, how are you going to beat DeSantis? And now they're saying about Trump, the goalpost keeps moving. But I'm telling you, you are going to see it's slow and steady wins the race. We'll be right back. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Stand Andrew by. Up and Andrew. Q. Breaking overnight, Israel is saying that it conducted a targeted raid on terrorist sites in northern Gaza using tanks. This before leaving the area. It described the raid as, quote, preparations for the next, next stage of combat. Uh, the IDF saying that soldiers struck numerous terrorist terror infrastructure and anti-tank missile launch posts. Joe. And it's our pleasure to introduce our next guest, says that U.S. support for Israel uh, is crucial and that there should be no backing down until Hamas is uh, eliminated. Joining us now, former uh, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, also former uh, governor of South Carolina uh, and a 2024 uh, presidential candidate that's right there with... uh Governor DeSantis, right? Either right there or getting past him. We're going for the big guy. If what is it? If you want done something, if uh, you want something said, ask a man. If you want something something done, done. ask a woman. I know. I can't believe I bring that up. It seems like I'm I'm undercutting myself in some way. No, I'm just. Or or speaking the truth. Yeah, or speaking the truth. I can tie it all together in in this way. We have. We wanted to talk to you about the new speaker and the chaos in in the house. The new speaker mentioned we need to get aid okayed for Israel, but 
left out Ukraine in that, that whole um, equation. And we've seen that President Biden wants to tie the two together. What's the right thing to do? You know, the one thing I'll say is America has to get this right. The world is on fire and America has to get this right. The right thing to do is we were there for Ukraine because it's a pro-American, freedom-loving country that was invaded by a thug. And that thug has said that once he takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. Those are NATO countries and that's about war. We're about preventing war. So you've got Ukraine, then you have Israel, and we see what's happening in the Middle East. We do both. If you leave Ukraine, then the next step is they're gonna wanna leave Israel. We already accepted defeat in Afghanistan. That was horrible the way it happened. We cannot leave Ukraine. You can do both. And we should do both. It's the right thing to do. And so anybody that's saying, oh, now you have to pick between Ukraine and Israel, that's an absolute mistake. You have to always be there for our friends. And we should never be so arrogant to think we don't need friends. On September 12th, we needed a lot of friends. We've got to quit talking like it's September 10th. What do you think the end game, though, is for Israel? Because Hamas is as much about individual actors as it is almost about an idea. And I wonder just long term how how you even get to an end game. That idea has a lot of actors and, and proponents. And we've, no, seen no, it, I, we've seen it around the world. I, clearly. And, and, but, and but, but, but keep in mind. Clearly, but, the, but also the backlash against how, however you're going, however, however you would get to Hamas, however you would hold these individuals accountable, there is going to be losses along the way. And the question is, how do you do that? in a way that actually makes the world come together around you're gonna, this. You're not going to please the world. You're not going to. Look, Israel has always tried to defend itself, and Israel has always been hit because of it. And what I would say at the United Nations, and what I'll say today, if that happened to any other country, there would be hell to pay. But because it's Israel, everybody's like, don't do too much. We should be doing three things. One, support Israel, whatever they need, whenever they need it, no questions asked. Two, eliminate Hamas. Don't weaken them, eliminate them, because if we don't, they will do this again. And three, do whatever it takes to get our hostages home. But see the bigger picture of all of this. There would be no Hamas without Iran. And look at what the bigger story of this all is. You have China and Russia name themselves unlimited partners. Iran is their junior partner. Iran, China is importing all of its oil from Iran, sending billions of dollars their way that they support terrorism with. Russia's getting drones and missiles from Iran. Look at the three. What do they all have in common? They all want to destroy the West and they all hate America. The Economist, the latest edition, has this question wondering if we will be stretched too thin to fight a potential right. three-pronged war, the two that exist right now, and add China to the mix. What happens? Is there a way to do this without creating World War III? Yes, there's a way to do this. And first of all, you look at Ukraine and Israel. If we just dealt with those two, that's only 20% of what Biden's green subsidy bill did. But if we deal with what's happening with Hamas and you brought up Iran, does that mean we deal with Iran too? And how do you not start World War III without doing that? If you eliminate Hamas, you're sending Iran a message. Right now, look at how Iran is acting. They're trying to, you know, Qatar, the fact that they've negotiated hostages, we've had four prayers answered. We've got 210 prayers to go. But why are they doing this? They're trying to avoid Iran being embarrassed by Israel going and taking out Hamas. 
They are sending strikes from Hezbollah. They're sending strikes from But that's the Houthis. question. I mean, I, I agree with you. Israel should be able to defend itself. I just wonder how we do this without... You think Iran will step down if Hamas is eliminated in, in, in Gaza? You do it with strength. First of all, we don't know what Iran is going to do. But we don't run from fear. What we do is we eliminate Hamas. Don't forget that they rounded up those children, tied their hands behind their back and burned them alive. Are we going after Hamas leadership in Qatar? Right? I mean, are we really really doing this? We should. Okay. But but I'm just saying, like, that's... When people say they want to go after Hamas, then and then the, 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 true, the true domino effect is real. So you have to go into Qatar, a, play, a, a country that, that says that they're our friend, and you'd have to do things that would be very, very complicated. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't do them. I'm just saying all of a sudden it gets... No, that's exactly what we did with ISIS. Do you think we didn't go take out the heads of ISIS? We did that wherever they were. We don't go to one region. We go and take out the people who were doing this. It's the reason we took out Soleimani. You go and take out anyone who wants to destroy America or destroy our friends. And we have to start getting this conversation right. You know, I look at what's happening on college campuses and thank goodness for the donors pulling their money or people leaving boards. But, but what are the, all, they, all of them saying on college campuses? First, there should be freedom of speech, but you don't get freedom of hate. And what we're seeing now is they're talking about occupation. Is there occupation in Gaza? There's absolutely occupation in Gaza by Hamas. It's funny, There's they, not an Israeli or a Jewish person in Gaza. Governor, they, this, some of the same people that are saying you don't get to, to have freedom of hate, uh, you're allowed to have freedom of speech. But now they're saying you need to have freedom of hate. The same, some of the same people that didn't, you know, that would apply that rule in one setting are now saying, do you think we should be doxing uh, students that, and, and their lives can be affected in the future if they show up at a... I tell my children now, Everything you put on social media and everything you say is going to dictate who hires so you, you and to, whether you get a job. Bill Ackman won't hire someone that's, that he sees at a, at a rally? At I wouldn't. For, I wouldn't hire someone that's celebrating Hamas. I wouldn't hire someone who is going to go out there and spew hatred because I don't know what they're going to do in my company. And so what I'll tell you is I think we should revoke all the tax-exempt status of universities that are allowing this to happen in the first place. Their job is to protect students. Your your competitor just did that in Florida. You should. Any university that doesn't protect students, any university that allows hate to spew, you should go and pull their tax-exempt status. Colleges don't get the right to do this. We we fight tooth and nail for for increases in defense spending. And and President Biden, I mean, there have been small increases. Is that enough? And I'll tell you why I thought about this. Iran is front and center, but you mentioned that the hideous triangle between Russia, Iran, and China. Down the road, is China our biggest fear? China is still our number one Don't biggest we need security threat. To keep increasing defense. I mean, isn't that going to be something we deal with for the next 50 but years? But understand what deterrence is. Why is it that the Taiwanese want us to support the Ukrainians? Because they know if Ukraine wins, China won't go into Taiwan. Why is it that Ukrainians want us to support Israelis? Because they know that if we support Israelis, we stop Iran. All linked. It's right. all linked together. This is a bigger story. And so that's the reason why America has to get this right. But how do you sell the country on, we are, we are back to being the world's police officer? 
I mean, that's, that's what you're effectively arguing we have to be. No, we are about protecting Americans and protecting our friends, not the police officer. We're not telling people how to live or what to do in their other countries. We're telling right. them not to kill Americans. We're telling them not to kill Israelis. And we're telling them that we're going to eliminate terrorists wherever we see them. And I think it's hugely important that we stay true to that. You, you have a, uh, a diagram of how 2024 plays out in, in your favor, because I, I mean, I don't want to bore you with where we are right now. Um, do you think it'd be a problem if either Donald Trump or Joe Biden is, is president in 2024 with all the issues you're talking about right now? 75% of the country doesn't want a rematch of happen, Biden though? and Trump. But how, does, how do we get there? What's going to... I mean, indictments I win. don't... Uh, I win. It's that simple. So now we are second place in New Hampshire and, and South Carolina. We're tied for second place in Iowa. I've got one more fellow to go after. But let me tell you something. If ever you look at the world stage and see what's happening, we have to have a new generational leader. We can't deal with the grievances of the past, the headlines of the past. You know, what happens? We have this horrific tragedy in Israel, and Donald Trump's going to sit there and talk about an old issue he's got with Netanyahu. You don't do that to a country who just brutally lost so many of their people. Well, he's got more, but he's continuing he's got to more grievances with Georgia he, election officials than he has. He's got grievances with everybody. But I'm saying we don't have time for grievances. We have a country to save. So what do you ascribe the situation in the House to at this point? The, the leadership members of the House who all ran and said they wanted to be the next speaker couldn't get coalition from the rest of the Republican caucus that's there. The, the, again, the guy who is the speaker at this point voted not to fund Ukraine. How, how do you take that message and convince Republicans before you even get to the main stage? I think, first of all, we have to look at the fact that the last couple of weeks was a total embarrassment for Republicans. I mean, that is not what Republicans need to do. When I was governor, I had a Republican House and a Republican Senate that butted heads all the time. And I would call them into my office and say, we're not leaving until we figure this out. They shouldn't have gotten paid through the whole time this was happening. They shouldn't have gone home. Now that there's a speaker, I pray that he's successful. We need him to be successful. America cannot be distracted. We saw what happened when Israel was distracted. America can't think that that can't happen here. But he's a close um, confidant and friend of President Trump's. He was and very involved with trying to keep him in office after the last election. All eyes are on him. We'll all be watching his leadership. And, you know, it's different when you are a voter of one representing a small district and when you're leader of the House and you represent everyone. You have to watch out for the good of the entire conference. And so that's what we'll watch. Look, I want him to be successful. America needs to be strong and not distracted. We're getting some good backing. One of our guests, frequent guests, and we love Judd Gregg. Senator Governor Judd Gregg said, the nation needs Nikki Haley. Calls her a strong leader who can win. I get a few more of those and maybe this but you still got that elephant in the room. I, I, I don't, the numbers just don't add up at this point. You know, that's what everybody said when they asked me, well, how are you gonna break out of the field? And then when they asked me, well, how are you gonna beat DeSantis? And now they're saying about Trump, the goalpost keeps moving. But I'm telling you, you are gonna see, it's slow and steady wins the race. We're disciplined, we're focused, and the people are coming with us. One more, because I have, Megan, you know, I can't, I can't deny her. You are, you've called yourself a union buster. What about this deal with, uh, uh, with Ford and, and the ongoing negotiations between the UAW and, and uh, GM and Stellantis? What, I mean, that's pretty, 
We like when people get raises, Nikki. Right? Of I mean, course. And they didn't get raises during the, the financial right. crisis. It's so a I good was, thing or a bad thing? So I was a union buster in South Carolina because I made sure that the workers had direct contact with the people who hired them. I didn't want a middleman in there. I told my owners, I want you to make sure that you use your people to find your solutions, that you take care of them and respect them for who they are, and that you have you know, family time for them to know when they're gonna go to church and let them know how to have family picnics with the company so that they can feel invested. I made sure that direct communication was there. What happens is when the direct communication goes away, a union buster or a union comes in and it's all about the union and them making their money. I want people to make money. I want manufacturers to manufacture. We've got to get the middlemen out of there. What I will say is this is all the fact that if you have a president who's the most pro-union president you've ever seen, you're going to have more strikes like this. And we're seeing that play out. But why did this happen? Because Joe Biden was so adamant about having as many electric cars as we can by 2030 that it caused a panic within the automobile manufacturing sector. That's what did this, mm. was that. And not only that, it's not even realistic to have electric cars by them. We don't have the infrastructure, and I'm not talking about charging stations. Electric cars are heavy. Our roads and bridges aren't cut out to have that many electric cars sitting on the road at the same time. We need to start being realistic and look in moderation at the way we do anything. Any extremes are always gonna be bad for the country. Well, you gotta go, you're headed over to The View, I know. Uh, maybe not, maybe not. Not that, no. <laughs> this, is your, this is your place. I think, seriously, instead of, uh, and you reach the best people here. We love having you on. Y'all are so nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. it. Thank not you. too nice, though. I can, be, I can be not so nice. I can think of something. I love go, the go tough to. questions. Oh. Keep bringing them. <laughs> All right. Governor Ambassador, thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the Anti-Defamation League is urging American companies and universities to stand up for the Jewish community. ADL CEO Jonathan Greenblatt on the rise in incidents of hate in America and how we might find peace. The idea of Bahrain and Saudi and the UAE offering the Palestinians a better deal than what Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah are offering them. I think we've got to go over the heads of the terrorists. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market side in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Anti-Defamation League saying more than 100 U.S. and global companies have now signed on to its workplace pledge to fight anti-Semitism. These include companies like Google, S&P Global, UPS, and the NBA. At the same time, Mass terrorists attacked Israel on October 7th. Preliminary data from the ADL's Center on Extremism indicates nearly 400% spike in reported anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. versus the same period last year. It's also important to note that the FBI says it has seen increased reports of threats against Muslim and Arab communities. Joining us right now is Anti-Defamation League CEO and National Director Jonathan Greenblatt. Uh, we had you on the program when you announced your, your plans to put this list together. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Jeff Sonnenfeld at Yale has 
putting a list together. I think he has even more names on it. Uh, not, not, not necessarily your pledge, but yeah. just, just statements and things that, that the companies have made. What's that process been like? What's the feedback and even potential backlash been like? Yeah, well, look, first of all, Jeff's a friend, and I think he does great work. And I think he's noted how people like Albert Bourla and the CEOs, who's a remarkable person, CEOs of a lot of companies, NVIDIA, right. IBM, they've spoken out. What we're doing is when companies say, well, what can I do, more than just issuing a, a tweet, if you will, we're giving them a way to do that, right? By signing on to the workplace pledge, like Google, like Omnicom, like UPS, like Kava and J. Crew, so many companies, businesses can show how they're standing with their Jewish employees, because that's what this is about. Anti-Semitism is spiking around the world. The Jewish state is facing a genocidal threat. CEOs are saying reasonably, I have Jewish employees, I have Jewish customers, I have Jewish shareholders, what can I do? The ADL Workplace Pledge is an easy way they can stand with their Jewish community. So at the same time though, you now have this conflation oftentimes, yeah. and I, I wanna read you, um, Bill Ackman, this is on Twitter, or yeah. X last night, says anti-Israel has become anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, and he says, just ask the students. Yeah. But it is an issue that's not just about the students. It's, it's an issue that has been raised in workplaces across the country and around the world. And, and how you think about that conflation and also how you think about CEOs and managers um, trying to resolve that conflation. Look, Bill Ackman is right that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, period. I don't think that's much of a debate anymore. And we know this because we hear what these kids on these campuses or these activists are saying. They're not saying two-state solution. They're saying final solution. Like, that should have no place anywhere. I just don't I think it's wrong. Jonathan, the, but we, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say that I see it coming. And we, the, the, the invasion of Gaza has been put off as we... Right. Okay. It, it, if it does come, and it's likely to, it's going to be very bloody. It's going to be. How does Israel, and how do you help Israel win the PR battle? Because you can see, what it, you can see right now, it's going to be Palestinian genocide. It's going to be Israeli terrorists. Even though Israel has a right to defend itself, and the it only does. way to defend itself is to try to do to, ISIS, uh, to, to Hamas what the West did to, to whoever you want to give credit for, did to ISIS. That's no, look, the only like way. Governor Haley's, you got to go in. There's going to yeah. be civilian casualties. Hamas is a hate group. Hamas is a terror organization. It's a criminal outfit. It's also the government of Gaza. Israel needs to respond to the attack, the slaughter of How 400 do you people. Make it so that the the impression that Israel is well, look. Like, look, I'm not Israel's, like, public relations agency, but my job is to keep Jewish people safe. And, you know, I don't know if you saw what happened at the Cooper Union here last night where Jewish students were barricaded in the library because of a mob outside that banged on the doors and yelled, globalize the intifada. It's crazy what's happening on these campuses. You basically have Hamas supporters on these campuses. And I've got to tell you something. Again, Governor Haley talked about ISIS. We have laws in place to prevent Americans or others from providing material support to foreign terror organizations. So last night, the ADL sent letters to 175 university presidents telling them that groups like Students for Justice in Palestine, facilitating, enabling, providing material support for terrorists, they should be investigated. When I was and 20, Jonathan, I didn't know that, I don't think I was that aware 
I, I wouldn't have been in a position to have such a strong viewpoint. Where is it coming from? The look, professors, whether the it's presidents, the hard, yeah, I mean, look, or whether social it's media. right wing extremists and, and white right. supremacists or left wing radicals and hardened anti Zionists, these people are the fringe. We need to put them back on the fringe. But the, the ADL question, used to fight to allow Nazis to march. Would you do that today? I wouldn't say we would fight to allow Nazis to march. But give them the freedom Spokey. of speech. So I certainly believe ferociously in the First Amendment. But, you know, freedom of speech is not the freedom to, you know, slaughter people. And freedom of expression isn't freedom to incite violence. So I'm okay with right. you marching, but not when it involves imperiling, endangering other people Palestine? because of how they Could you pray. march for a, then say that the, the Palestine is being occupied? Are you allowed to do that? You can certainly, you know, you're asking this. There is nothing wrong with criticizing Israel. By the way, nothing wrong with criticizing George Soros. It's when you demonize, it's when you dehumanize, and you put people at risk. Look, we have all over the country these crazy rallies taking place that literally call to wipe Jews off the map, call to globalize the Intifada. The Intifada was a violent military action that involved murdering thousands of civilians. Who thinks this is normal? We it's wouldn't tolerate- Nazis too, I would say the same thing about Nazis. Yeah, look, I will tell you something. You know, 1939, right down the street at Madison Square Garden, 1939, there was a rally in, on behalf of the Third Reich here in New York. 20,000 people showed up at MSG. I gotta tell you something, I think we will look back on these people, these kids, these individuals supporting Hamas today, look at them at the same way those people supported the Nazis in the 1930s. Morally reprehensible. And whether it's a university president or a community leader who dithers and equivocates, history will not judge the, the, the them well. Most anti, probably the biggest problem is Iran. So what, how, Iran how, is the biggest problem. The, I'm not a geostrategist, but it's beyond me really beyond me, how we continue to tolerate the activities of that country. They, they want to wipe out Israel and the United States. And the United States. And we see, you know, the ADL, we study extremism. We see the Iranian propaganda that we now have students on our campuses. We have right. activists in our communities literally repeating. So what do we do, though, to get underneath this, right? What I mean, mean? The, so the, there's two issues. One yeah. is it can't be normalized. It, I, yeah. I, I would argue, too, it can't be allowed to continue in this, in this vein. Yeah. It needs to be called out as hate speech. That's, that's, that's one piece of it. Yeah. But ultimately, to win the war, the, 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 to, to, to rid the world of these ideas, something else has to happen underneath the conversation. And that's the piece I don't know what to do about. Well, look, we have to recognize that some things are right and left, and some things are right and wrong, and some things are good and evil. The Nazis were evil, ISIS was evil, Hamas is evil, and you have to defeat evil. I must say, we denazified Germany after the Second World War, we need to dehamasify Gaza after this conflict, period. And like those people who right. did their about but, it. But, but the, question, the question I think we're, what I'm asking is, yeah. to the degree that you believe, and you may not agree with what I'm about to say, that Hamas oh. is an idea, and that you can, we, we should, and should hold accountable every individual that was responsible for this and anybody who has these ideas. Yeah. But the question is a long-term question, right. which is once you rid the, the current individuals who are accountable, how do you, and how do you do that at the same time that we don't create a, another generation of them? Well, look. Right? And that's what we're talking about here. I hear that, but as Jewish people, we've been dealing with anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish hate 
for thousands of years. I mean, maybe we can never truly defeat hate, but I will tell you this, we are not going to sit around and let it take us out once again. No way. One terrorist at a time, seriously. I mean, can't just throw up your hands. Say too I'm not, much, no, I'm not throwing up my hands. Do. I'm not throwing up my know, hands. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that I think that there's uh, sort of a two-layered thing that has to that's happen like here. Ner- One is right. you need to deal with the immediate right. issue. Yes. That's like you and then there's this, this, this almost larger conundrum, which I'm desperate Look, to rid the world you, if, of. If you are a Zionist, and I, I would probably say I'm a Zionist, if you say Israel has a right to exist, you're never going to convince can I say Never going to get yeah. to the underlying Jer- problem. Uh, you know, I don't say this often, but Jared Kushner had it right. The idea of Bahrain and Saudi and the UAE offering the Palestinians a better deal than what Iran and Hamas right. and Hezbollah are offering them. I think we've got to go over the heads of the terrorists and got to give the Palestinian people the opportunity for the dignity and equality they right. deserve in a way that keeps Israel safe and secure and never endangers another Jewish person. Jonathan Greenblatt, appreciate you coming in this morning. Thank you. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for being here. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. You can also stream us live on Peacock. But you don't have to watch a three-hour morning show on TV. I've got an idea for you. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get the best of our show at any time. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Go click that follow button. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 